Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. My name, my name is Stephen Williamson, uh, Steve-O, as it were, some people know me as, and I, I live in Midland with my wife and my three kids, and we volunteer and lead worship and, and just do ministry alongside the team over there. I've led worship here in Lubbock a handful of times as well, and it's honestly just, I love, I love coming over here. I love coming to Lubbock. I love the body of Christ. I love, I love having the unique opportunity to see what the Lord is doing in Midland. And then come over and see what the Lord is doing in Lubbock. And it's, it's honestly, like, it's actually really, really astounding to see what the Lord is doing and how we can be miles apart, yet still in the same vein and in, in the flow of grace and what the Lord is doing. So honestly, I'm truly, truly honored to get to be here this morning. Uh, Keith and, and Brayden asked me if I would step in and speak this morning. And uh, Keith and his family have been dealing with some sickness. He texted me this morning, just said, thank you for thanking me for being here. And uh, he wanted me to let you guys know. He says, hi. Um, And yeah, hi. Uh, Those are almost literally his words. He says, hi, hello. And uh, he said his family's feeling a lot better this morning. So thank you guys for your prayers and your continued prayers for them. They're on the up and up and they'll they'll be just fine here in the next little while. Um, but I am very excited to be with you this morning. Uh, whenever they asked me to come speak, I just, I was jumping for joy, honestly, because there's uh, something that the Lord has just been doing inside of me for the past several weeks. I alluded to it a moment ago during, uh, during ministry time here when I stole the microphone from the worship team. <laughs> um, and I, I, I just, I love, I love, love, love this, this theme and this, this single word, hope. Just, will you say the word hope? Hope. Like it's got that strong P in there. It's like more emphasis if you, if you say that. But hope. Yeah, there's something special. There's something, there's something, um, something really special on this word in this season, I believe. You see, because hope isn't just rooted in the circumstances of what you're feeling in the here and now. But hope actually gives confidence for what the Lord is doing and where the Lord is taking you in the future. And so I love, love, love this word hope. And I love what it's meant for me and my family's life. And I'm hoping this morning that as we have these these next few moments together, that the Lord would come and he would actually just give you a burst of hope, that you would leave here encouraged. Matter of fact, I even speak that, that you're gonna leave this morning encouraged and motivated, but it's not just gonna be this fleeting like, yeah, I feel good, let's go to, you know, Rudy's barbecue and then it wears off because now you ate too much. You gotta go take a nap and you wake up somewhere between three o'clock and seven o'clock p.m. and you're like, my life sucks again. It's like, it's like, I'm, t- I'm talking about, I'm talking about like, like actual, real, God-given hope. And that's what I'm believing for this morning, all right? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for uh, the people in this room. I thank you that you saw every single person, you saw every single individual, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. You saw them and you knew them, yes, in their mother's womb, but God, also in the here and the now. And Lord, I believe that you had something in mind for them this morning. And what a privilege and honor to get to be a part of this chapter of their story and this season of their life. What an honor, Father. And Lord, what, a, what an awesome thing that you wanna do this morning. And so Lord, right now, we just consent to what you wanna do. We say yes to what you wanna do. We say yes to hope in Jesus' name, amen.
Say hope one more time. Yeah, okay. I heard the, it's like popping a bubble over here. It's good. This morning, uh, the message I'm going to speak is, is called Moving to Hope. Steve Backlin, how many of you are familiar with Steve Backlin? Yeah, so he's, he's a part of uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. As you well know, we've got a lot of commonality, a lot of common threads, a lot of connections with Bethel Church out of Redding, California. And um, Steve Backlin, in my opinion, is the authority on this message of hope uh, for our generation. And the way he defines hope uh, and he's committed his life to this message, restoring hope. That's, that's what his life is all about. And so whenever the Lord started talking to me about this, I figured who better to lean on in my definition of hope and what it looks like uh, than, than him. He defines hope as, hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. What I love about this definition of hope is it's, um, it's not partial to any one season. It doesn't matter how low you feel. It, does, it doesn't matter how high you feel. It doesn't matter how many dollars are in your bank account. It doesn't matter what your demographic is. It is, it is the equalizer in what God's plan is for your life. It means that I have the power to help make my future better than my present, regardless where my present is right now, and I love it. He goes on to say that there's no hopeless circumstances, there's only hopeless people. No hopeless circumstances, there's only hopeless people. And I fully believe that with my whole heart. Um, if we're being honest, there are times that we look at our life, we look at our season, and we have deemed circumstances as hopeless situations. Well, that's a lost cause. Yeah, this business thing, it was, it was dead in the water before it ever, it ever began. Or like, yeah, this, this marriage, it's just, it's time, it's over, I'm waving the white flag. Or that person over there, they, they're a hopeless individual. There is no hope in sight for them. The truth is this, I, I believe this to my core because I have experiential knowledge that says it's true, that there is no such thing as hopeless circumstances only hopeless people. And so this morning, it's my, it's my hope to install and to encourage you and place some hope inside of you, regardless of your season. See, I believe that the Lord is calling us home, as I said a moment ago. But I feel like even in marriages specifically, this morning that the Lord wants to just reinstill hope for what the future might become. He wants to breathe hope and he wants to breathe life into what might come. For those of you that are married, those of you that desire to be married, I believe that's what the Lord is doing. And I also believe that for businesses this morning. Those are the two specific areas that I really felt uh, the Lord this morning as I was listening prophetically. There is no such thing as hopeless circumstances. There's only hopeless people. And the Lord is recovering and he is chasing after your heart this morning to encourage you and reinstill hope. That's what I believe. I wanna spend a little bit of time in Romans chapter eight, uh, starting in verse 26. This is the apostle Paul writing. He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank God for Jesus. 
right, that he helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And get verse 28. You might have heard it before, but I want you to listen with fresh ears. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That is such a profound and powerful scripture. Once again, this levels the playing field, regardless where you find yourself this morning. The promise is found in verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And then in verse 29, get this, it says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to, this word is important, become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This morning, I wanna spend some time focusing on these two words. There's, a, there's this beautiful tension. There's this beautiful marriage is a better word than tension. Marriage between the words promise and process. There, there is a promise set before you Yet there is a promise, there is a process that you are living in currently. See, verse 28 is the, pro, it's the promise. It says that he's working all things out for your good. It's going to be I. Right. You're going to be okay. That's the promise is he's working it all out. If you love God and you are called according to his purpose, you could take it to the bank that he's making it work out for your good. This, that's his words. It's his words. But the truth is, if you look at the evidence of your life and when, where you're standing currently, it doesn't always feel like you are living in that promise. And the reason is because in verse 29, he says, he chose them to become. The promise is over here, yet your process is called becoming. You're just in a process of becoming. But what happens so many times is we get stuck and we get fixated on this promise that feels so distant as we should. Never take your eyes off the promise of the Father. His promises are yes and amen. If he said it, then it's true for your life. It's more true than the air I breathe. It's more true than any decision I make. It's more true than anything that's a part of your tangible reality. The promise of God is yes and amen for your life and never take your eyes off of it. Yet don't forget to acknowledge the fact that God uses processes of becoming unto the promise that he has set before you. Yet what happens is, is whenever we're not living in the fruit of that promise, we might make it a day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's like, but God, you said. He's like, I know I said, but it was literally like worship just ended. Like you, you haven't even given me time yet, right? It's like we get this promise for the Lord or better yet, maybe it's not 10 minutes removed. Maybe it's 10 years removed. Yeah, God, but you said, you said my marriage was going to be restored. I know, son. I know. Yeah, but God, you said my kid was going to come home, that prodigal story. Why else would you put that in scripture if it's, I'm not, I heard your promise. And he said, yes, son. Yes, daughter, I know. But you're in a process of becoming. You see, your process of refinement oftentimes becomes the fuel unto someone else's process of, of, of refinement as well. 
You see, you've heard it said that misery loves its company. I, I don't believe that. I don't attest to that. What I believe is this, is when I'm in a process of becoming and I can look up and I can link arms with someone else that's in a process of becoming, it's not that I love their misery. It's not that. It's that it feels good and it's endearing to know that I'm moving in the right direction. It's endearing and it feels good to know that I'm not alone in this process of becoming. We're all in a process of becoming. So do not hold your soul hostage to a promise that is unfolding before your eyes because you can't yet sink your teeth into it. You're just in a process of becoming. It's the way the Lord works. He takes David from, from a, a little shepherd boy into a man after his own heart. Through what? A process of refinement and mess-ups and failures and trials and tribulations, some of which were just crazy, like crazy stuff. But it's this process that he's committed to. It's Jonah, when he calls him to go to Nineveh, he says, mm -mm, nope, he doesn't do it. He says, no, he gets swallowed by a fish. He gets spit back up. What? It's this process of Saul, whose context we are reading in right now, who literally was a murderer of the Christian people, murderer of disciples of Christ. And then Jesus has a moment with him, and then he becomes uh, consented to this process of becoming. Let me tell you something. All you have to do is remember the promise, and remember the Lord is deeply, deeply, deeply invested in your process of becoming. Let us not forget that he is invested in our process. I just wanna encourage you this morning to zoom the lens out on your life. Sometimes we just get in the weeds of this process. We get in the weeds of this process of becoming and it feels like you've been staring this one thing in the face for 30 days or for three months or for three years. God is not the calculator of time. He is the redeemer of time. That's in his nature. So stop being fixated on the time it's taking to work through something and instead look upward at your heavenly father as he takes your hand and says, we're just here together, son. We're just here together, daughter. Zoom the lens out on your life and what you'll find is like, okay, I was here, but now I'm here. It, and I was, I was there, but now I'm here. When you're stuck in the weeds, it feels like you're not moving. But when you zoom the lens out and you remember with gratitude in your heart and thanksgiving as your language, it's easy to see that the Lord is in fact taking you on a journey of becoming. It's the language that he speaks. As I was preparing this message, I got a, uh, I got a, <clears throat> I, I saw, I saw this vision um, of a, of a cute, a cute house. I don't have another word except cute. It was cute. Uh, cute house. And it, it was like, like a real cottage style, couple windows in the front. It had like four or five steps that led up to this beautiful wraparound deck, white kind of colonial type looking house. And it had these shutters on the outside. It's like, it's like if you go ask, I've got a five-year-old and like if I go ask him to draw a house, it's what he would draw, okay? And like, this looks nothing like our house, son. But if for some reason, it's like, it's like that, you know what I'm talking about. It's that stereotypical kind of looking house. And what was interesting about this house is it was, it, was, it was absolutely gorgeous. It had some wear and tear on the outside. I saw this as like a generational house, perhaps passed down a couple generations even, but it had been well taken care of. Um, and and it, it was a beautiful home. But then what, what I saw 
as the, the lens zoomed out on this house, I saw construction tape all around this house, 360 degrees. Construction tape, don't cross. And I saw a bulldozer, a wrecking ball, an excavator. I saw them ready on deck, personnel in place to bulldoze this house. But what's interesting is as the zoom Uh, As it zoomed out even further, I saw that this beautiful little cottage home that should be found somewhere in the hill country of Texas, sitting on a thousand acres, it was sitting in the middle of this high-rise development. Far as you could see, there were these like beautiful architecture, uh, the type of stuff you see like in big cities or like sci-fi films, like some crazy stuff. And And it was out of place, very obviously that it was out of the place, out of place. And then I saw a family of five being escorted by a sixth person down the steps. This family was not crying. They were actually quite happy coming down the steps and the escort takes them over. He lifts up the caution tape and allows them to pass under. They pass under and they are then escorted up the stairs into this beautiful mansion, stunning mansion, like this sleek gray with immaculate windows and just like this beautiful, beautiful place. And so I asked the Lord, what? <laughs> I, he talks to me like this, and I'm like, you got to, like, do better, because I can't understand when you're trying to talk to me. And he's like, yeah, you're in a process. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, okay, got it. But then I, I started to just get clarity on what the Lord was saying. You see, I find it very interesting that the mansion that they were moving into was right next door. I heard the father say, you've made yourself comfortable here and I've blessed it and allowed it because of my love for you. But it's now time to move on. I've got more in store for you. It's not that the home wasn't beautiful. It's not that they didn't do a good job tending and stewarding what they had. It's just that the Lord was saying, hey, it's time to take another step. It's time. And this morning, I hear the same call for you in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, in your personal life, in your addictions. I hear the Lord saying, I love you, I bless you, but it's time to move. It's time to move on. A man who I deeply, deeply admire wrote a book called Becoming a King. His name is Morgan Snyder. He's like a 20 plus year protege of John Eldridge, the author of Wild at Heart. Uh, This man's writing and teaching, it has been a pivotal, pivotal component of my restoration over the past three years as the father has pursued my heart. But he says a quote that I, I, I remind myself of nearly daily and those around me, but wholeness is as close as the next breath. Wholeness is as close as the next breath. Sometimes we get in this process of becoming and we feel like, yeah, but how do I change? I've got 30 years of a bad track record in this area. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm really honestly not, not doing that good in this season. What are people gonna think if all of a sudden one day to the next, I just stop, stop drinking or I, I stop whatever it is, like what are people gonna think? We get hung up and we get stuck in the weeds of consenting to this process of becoming something that a lot of times what winds up happening is we wind up retreating from the process entirely. I wanna remind you this morning, I feel like if I get too far this way, I can't see the back row because of that pillar right there. I'm talking to you too, I'm sorry. But we wind up retreating And the father is graciously holding your hand and guiding you and saying, son, just start where you are. 
daughter, start where you are. Wholeness is as close as the next breath. As close as the next breath. It's not just a 10-year commitment. It's not, well, after 30 days, we'll see how I'm doing. No, it's wholeness. Living as a wholehearted human is as close and as attainable as the next breath. (sighs) Navy SEALs practice this thing called combat breathing. When stuff hits the fan, they practice breathing. They find their breath. And it's what enables them to exist in an intense situation. Find your breath. Come on, find your breath. Son, daughter of God, find your breath. Combat breathing. Wholeness is as close as that next breath. It looks like a decision to move forward. I had this moment with a father some time ago where I was... I was getting ready one morning and just honestly feeling like downright, like lost. I had just, I had just come off of like a um, Montana fly fishing trip. Many people in this, I know some dudes in this room were on that trip as well. And we got back on, I believe it was a Friday night and I had to wake up on a Saturday morning to go do this video shoot for my company. And I was just exhausted, like mentally, physically, and I was faced with the reality of, yeah, it was amazing to escape and go fly fish in Montana and just be with dudes, but now I'm back in the reality of the fact that I've got stuff to do that I don't want to do. (laughs) I don't want to do. I don't know how to do. I mean, the greatest fear of man is being discovered, I've heard, right? Let's just kick that to the curb. Sometimes I hate my job. Okay, it is what it is. I'm grateful, but I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to do this. I'm exhausted. I want to move to Montana. I just want to, I just want to live there. All I need is a fly rod, my three kids, my wife, and a beautiful stretch of river with some beautiful brown trout and rainbow trout coming through there every now and then. Matter of fact, I think this message is over. I'm moving to Montana. (laughs) But I I was sitting in the shower whining to the Lord, calling it communion, and I... And I remember, um, I remember just like waking up and enduring, getting through that video shoot, coming back exhausted and just, I'm just beat. And then the next, I believe it was the next morning, sometime shortly after I was in the, I was in um, my process of getting ready in the morning and I listened to a song by Jonathan, David and Melissa Helser. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's like track two on their newest album, but it's the song about the father like pursuing a son, like just chasing after him. And I remember sitting, like literally just sitting still. Sometimes that's a part of my morning process. It's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to sit still a little bit longer. But I'm sitting there having a moment with the Lord. And all of a sudden, I felt the Father just challenge me. And he said, hey, just write yourself into the appropriate role in this chapter of your story. Write yourself into the appropriate role in this chapter of your story. We all wanna be the hero, no questions asked. Like, duh, we wanna be the hero of our story. We wanna be that rock star mom that can not only drink a latte and have the house clean and have kids that are all making straight A's or on the Dean's list or whatever, and you know, but they're also happy all the time and you know. <laughs> We all want to be the guy who 
comes home and doesn't have a hard time checking out from work and just engaging with our family and spending time with our kids and then going to bed wholehearted and fully fulfilled that wakes up the next morning and says, bless God, I just love my job. Love everyone I get to see. I love people. It's the best. It's not... We all want to be that we all want to be that hero. We do. And honestly, it's fairly easy to identify a lot of times when you're the hero of your story. But there's two other roles that could be defined in your life. The other role would be the villain, the bad guy. It's pretty easy for me as a man to know when I'm just being dumb, okay? It's when I'm being the bad guy, that one's a little easier to identify. But there's this third role that's oftentimes not easy It's not easy to write yourself into this role, but that's the role of the damsel in distress. The one who just needs rescued. You see, when we're the one that needs to be rescued, oftentimes we still paint ourselves in the story as the hero, but we're just on the ropes, but we're gonna come out swinging. It's like, okay, keep trying it. But you're in a process of becoming unless you acknowledge where you are in your story. Father, I just need to be rescued. And that's what the Father did for me that morning as I sat there. I was just, I was washed over by waves and waves and more waves of him saying, son, I've got you. Just be the fragile human that you are in this moment. Because unless you live in fullness in this moment, you will not be restored to take the steps into the promise that I've laid before you. It's time. It's time. It's time. But it starts with first acknowledging where you are. Hope must be built on the foundation of the here and the now. I got to build my hope on where I am. My hope's not in where I am currently, but it has to start and be the foundation of where my hope is coming from. Otherwise, it's just wishful thinking. If I'm so stuck in the future that I can't acknowledge the process of becoming that the Father has me in, I'm not doing anything but wishful thinking. The Lord is welcoming you into a deeper place. You see, hope allows me to exist where I am, yet have confidence in where I'm going and who I'm becoming. I can exist here. This is the beauty of the kingdom. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. I can exist right here, yet still have my eyes fixed on the promise that he's making all things work out for my good. It allows me to exist where I am, yet have confidence in where I'm going. That's what hope is. That's what it does. There's another passage in Philippians chapter one. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna jump through it a little bit, but it starts, ver- verse three. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. You have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first, from the time you first heard until now. That's like encouraging. Like, can you imagine getting this letter from a, like a father in the faith that says like, you're doing it. You are, you are doing it. You are running strong. You can do it. And then verse six says this, it says, And I am certain that God, who 
began the good work within you will continue his work until finally finished on the day when Christ returns. See, Paul was a man who understood God's just begun the work. He will continue the work unto the promise. This is a process of becoming, friends. It's, and then it ends with this hopeful message until, the, until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He ain't back yet. He's coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming. He's just not back yet. So guess what? Your process isn't over yet. It could either be a bummer, right? Or it could be really encouraging. So what I'm asking and what I'm encouraging you with is just become increasingly more comfortable knowing the Father's heart for you as a son, knowing the Father's heart for you as a daughter as he continually leads you and he guides you in this process of becoming because you have what it takes. You have what it takes. Yeah, let me just pray for us. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for every single uh, story that's being written in this room. I thank you for the chapter even that each individual find themselves in. Because there is no hopeless circumstances, I can be confident that it's a good chapter. Dark spot, sure. Rough spot, sure. But because of the promise in your word, I can have confidence that you're working it all out for my good. So Father, would you restore to every heart in the room this confidence of what you are doing and where they are going day by day, decade by decade, step by step, you are leading us, Father. So Lord, also right now, I believe there's even people in the room who just need to be reminded, reminded of where they're going. Just give them a reminder of the promise. What is the promise? It seems so bleak and it seems so far away that maybe you've even forgotten it or you've just lost hope in it. Yeah, I, I, I just prophesy the Lord is restoring that promise to you even now. The recollection, the memory, the thing that used to get you up in the morning, the thing that used to fuel your fire, that life-fulfilling, satisfying place of grace and destiny for your life. The Lord is restoring it to you right now. Not so that maybe you acquire it right now in this moment. Maybe he's done it before, but so that you can actually begin the process and understand my eyes are now fixed and I have hope in the future of the promise, but I'm okay with the process that I'm in. Lord, give us that grace to understand that and to live in that comfortably with confidence. In Jesus' name. Yeah, one last thing I wanna share with you guys. Romans 15, verse 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will find you completely, or will fill you completely with joy and the peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this isn't something that I could just muster up. It's hope is not something that I could just muster up inside of myself in my own right and in my own ability. We just learned in Romans 15, 13, that God is the source of hope. 
let us never forget he is the source of hope it's who he is yeah yeah so this morning i just want to lead us just in a corporate prayer as we get ready to wrap up here but would you just put your hand on your chest what, what we're going to pray here so you know it's just a prayer reminding ourselves and reminding the father reminding god our father reminding him and reminding us that i just i trust you i trust you in my story i trust you in this chapter i trust you yeah so simple prayer would you just say i trust you yeah say it one more time i trust you yeah and lord i release that over every individual in this room i thank you for every individual in this room i thank you that you're uniquely endeared to every individual in this room you see us you know us you love us and when we fall you see us you know us you love us and when we succeed you see us you know us and you love us and guess what every step of the way you see us you know us you love us so lord we trust you in jesus name amen thanks again for listening today if you'd like to join us in person for church renew life meets every sunday morning at the ywca at 6501 university avenue in lubbock texas For more information on our ministry, check out RenewLifeChurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.